Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. Well, you can turn your Bibles to John chapter 8 this morning. John chapter 8, we're starting a new series. It's called Getting Things Straight. Getting Things Straight. And uh, the subject I'll be speaking on this morning is what is the gospel? What is the gospel? So John chapter 8. Uh, This passage is commonly known as uh, the story of the woman caught in adultery. Uh, So uh, we're going to read that this morning. I'm going to start now. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group, And said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. It's a powerful story. And this morning we'll be looking at what is the gospel? What is the gospel? Before I, uh, I, I get into I, I want to make a few observations this morning. But before I do that, I just want to set the scene so we can really understand what was going on. But ba- basically the context for what was happening here, we find... In verse 5 and verse 6, and it says, In the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? And they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. So this whole thing unfolds because the religious leaders are trying to find a way to accuse Jesus, to trap him, accuse him. And somehow this woman finds herself caught in the midst of, of, of this trap that's going down and so basically these guys are trying to find something that they can accuse Jesus of you see Jesus was without sin and yet they were still trying to find a way to accuse him if you're like me you'll know that sometimes in life it's like some voices can come at us some voices of accusation the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren And so sometimes you will find in your life that you can have voices of accusation that condemn you or remind you of things you've done. And here we can take heart because Jesus himself, who was without sin, faced the same thing. These people, these religious leaders were trying to find a basis to accuse him. This whole thing was a trap. You see, basically what they were trying to do, the trap here with this question that they've asked, where they've said, now what do you say? Basically, at the time there was a Roman law that was instituted. 
And the Roman law had basically taken away uh, the right for the Jewish people to declare life or death over people. So right now, for example, uh, we're, we're aware of the Bali Nine or Andrew and Mayu in Indonesia and that there is a, a death sentence over their life. And so the Indonesian government has decreed this death sentence over them. But right here in this story, the, the context or the background, the Romans have actually taken away that right for the Jewish people to declare a sentence of life or death over people. And so if Jesus says in this circumstance, you're right, this woman is guilty and the law of God does say that she deserves to be stoned. If Jesus does that, they will then take him to the Romans and say, look what he's done. He's broken your law. But on the flip side, if Jesus says, no, she's not guilty, then he himself will be guilty of not living according to the law of God and will be seen by the Jewish people as not living according to their law. And so this is the trap. And so basically these guys have, have created this, this circumstance or this scene to trap Jesus. But in the midst of it, there's this woman who finds herself also caught in a trap. I want you to imagine the scene with me. It says, as we start out the story, that Jesus, he was just teaching. Much like a setting like this, he was sitting down and teaching. And in the midst of his teaching... You can just imagine these guys rock up, they come in the doors, these religious leaders, and they bring this woman to the front. And it says that they made her stand before the group. Can you imagine this? A woman who was caught in the act of adultery is now brought before the congregation, probably had little on, maybe a sheet covering her, and she is standing here. And can you imagine what she was going through? I don't know if she would have known anyone in the congregation as Jesus was teaching. But she's standing there, and I can imagine right in that moment she was feeling shame. She was feeling guilt because her secret life was now exposed. The things that she had done in secret were, were, were now exposed, and she found herself caught in the midst of this trap. I have no doubt that these leaders would have set this up in order to catch her in order to catch Jesus. And so here she is. She's in the midst of this trap. And it says that these guys accuse her in the midst of everyone that the law Moses commanded said we should stone such women. And then they pose this question to Jesus and they say, now what do you say? What do you say, Jesus? What do you say about this woman who deserves the death penalty for what she's done? What do you say, Jesus? And I can imagine a silence fell on the room. And perhaps this woman was just full of emotion as she waited to know what she knew was the truth, that she had broken the law of God, and in fact she did deserve to die. And she waited for Jesus to answer the question. She waited for the sentence over her life. But it says that Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. It's important to note that in the Greek, that phrase, 
any of you who is without sin actually means any of you who is without this sin. So basically, Jesus was saying to the religious leaders, if any of you guys haven't committed adultery, then you can stone her. You can throw the first stone. And it says in verse 8 that he stooped down and, and wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Therefore, neither do I condemn you. And he said, Now go now and leave your life of sin. I want to look at three observations. And as we look at the three observations from this passage, I believe that we will discover again what is the gospel. What is the gospel? And so... My first observation is this. I wonder what the woman, what her thoughts were as the religious leaders started to leave. As Jesus, he says, if, if, if any of you is without this sin, throw the first stone and, and they begin to walk away. Now in such an intense moment, I don't know if she would have been thinking about a lot. But it, it does make me wonder. I, I wonder as she saw each religious leader walk away because they had committed the same sin, whether all of a sudden in her mind she started to question the religious system of the day. How could these guys who were the religious leaders that people looked up to be guilty of the same sin that she was guilty of? I wonder if she just started to think about the whole religious system and if it was a sham, the fact that these guys were hypocrites. They were willing to bring her into, into the, the room and accuse her and expose her. These were the religious leaders. These were the teachers of the law, the guys who preached the gospel. And so I wonder if she began to question these guys but I wonder if her questioning led her to a moment where she realized that if those guys have broken the law of God and I've broken the law of God, maybe we've all broken the law of God and maybe we all need a savior. I wonder if that went through her mind. If the guys who look so polished on the outside didn't have it all together, well, maybe we all need a saviour. And this is really where the gospel begins. The gospel can never come alive in someone's life until we come to a place where we realise, I need a saviour. I need a saviour. The Bible says that we've all broken the laws of God and all fallen short. And in 1 John 1, it says that if anyone says that they are without sin, they've actually deceived themselves. So my first observation from this passage is that we all need a savior the second observation i have is that I, I i was thinking about this woman and and just i guess post this event thinking about whether you know once the religious leaders had left and 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 the congregation had gone home and and jesus had moved on and she'd gone her own way i wonder if she had a moment just to sit down and just think about what had happened I wonder if she had a moment to think about the fact that 
the law said that she deserved to die, but she walked free. And how did these religious leaders just walk free as well? The fact was the law said that they needed to die for, their, for what they had done, and yet they walked free. And so I wonder if she was thinking about this. How did, how did I walk free? How, how did I... And I wonder if that made her think, well, does the law of Moses not even exist? The law that was instituted by Moses, the law of God, does that not even exist anymore? How did I walk free? How did the religious leaders walk free? Does, does the law not exist anymore? And so I wonder if she started to think about this. And you have to forgive me because I like to think a lot. But I, I wonder if maybe she even realized in that moment that even if the law of God still did exist, who actually had the authority to enforce it? See, how could the religious leaders enforce the law of God if they themselves had broken it? Who was worthy to decree the law of God if they had broken it? Who can enforce the law of God when we have all broken the law of God? Maybe she realized in that moment that Jesus was the only one who was without sin. And so he was the only one who was worthy to enforce the law of God. And yet he chose not to. Just as Jesus was the only one who was worthy and without sin to enforce the law of God, so he was the only one worthy and without sin to save us from the law of God. You see, only Jesus could put us back in right standing with God. And this is what he did by taking our place on the cross. Only he was sinless. Only he was the one who could reconcile us back with God. He could have enforced the law because we've all sinned, We've all fallen short, and the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but Jesus chose not to. He chose to take the punishment we deserve upon himself when he was on the cross. And this is the gospel, that I deserve to die for the things that I have done, that I, like the woman caught in adultery, know what it's like to have, have a, a, a hidden life where, where you know the reality of your shortcomings and yet, Jesus took my place. I deserved to die, but he took my place and offered life instead. I'm not sure if this woman, if she fully understood what had happened that day until the day came when Jesus went to the cross. And maybe in that moment, I don't know if she was there, but maybe in that moment when Jesus went to the cross, things started to make sense that the reason she could walk free and the religious leaders walked free was because someone would pay the price for their sin. See, the law still stood that they deserved to die. The law still had to be fulfilled. And maybe on that day when Jesus went to the cross, she realized and made the connection, he went for me. And the reason I walked free 
even though she was caught in adultery and deserved to die, was because he would go to the cross for her. It's a powerful uh, uh, connection that we make when, when, when we realize that he went to the cross for us, for me personally. This is the gospel. My final observation is in verse 11. And it says that Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. And he declared, Go now and leave your life of sin. Go now and leave your life of sin. You see, Jesus not only offers us forgiveness of sins, saving saving us from the penalty that we deserve for our sin, but he now offers us new life, a different life from the one that we were once living. And this is what he offers. He says to this woman, go now and live your life of sin. The inference is, I have a new life for you. I have a new life. You no longer need to live in your old life in bondage to things that have, that have held you in, in, in darkness and secret sins. You can move beyond that into a life now in relationship with me. Go now and leave your life of sin. If you've got your Bibles, we'll just read in Titus 3. Titus chapter 3 in verse 4. And this gives us a good summary. And it says that when the kindness and love of God, our Savior appeared... He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Jesus offered a new life empowered by God's grace. And it was not because she deserved it, it was because of grace alone. Uh, On Friday night, uh, I went to, uh, Katie's sister had uh, a website launch in Chapel Street at West Elm. And we went there and uh, there was about 50 people there. And so she was launching her new website, which is to do with uh, just creativity and and she writes blogs. And and basically she, she encourages people uh, to, to live out their dreams and to st- take steps of faith, I guess, uh, to move beyond, I guess, the status quo, to move beyond uh, just the pay packet at the end of the week, just living to make ends meet. And a lot of what she does is encouraging people to go for what uh, is really on the inside of them, like what Tani was talking about, our passions, and, and to go for that. And uh, it was really cool. She got different young adults up and, and got them to share some of their stories of how they've stepped out recently. And these are guys and girls, late 20s, early 30s, who have stepped out, started new businesses, uh, and, and really just started going for the things that they felt God had placed on the inside of them. And it was so encouraging and so empowering to hear the stories of people, even though it had been really hard work and they didn't know how things were going to happen, whether it be financially or starting a business, but not knowing how to start a business or whatever it was, that these people had taken steps of faith uh, to live a life that really they felt uh, God had asked them to live. And you know, I think that when Jesus says, to this woman, go now and live a new life. I think that's the kind of life he, he was asking us to live, that, you know, 
obviously we every season is different and we make decisions based upon current commitments and things like that. But when he asked this woman to, to live a new life, I believe he was asking her into a new partnership that she wouldn't try to do life in her own strength, but she would start a new journey and it would be a journey of trusting in God and a journey of discovering the things that he had placed on the inside of her instead of just living this life of sin, this kind of second-rate life. And I believe that that is what God calls us to as well. He calls us to live a life that is courageous and bold beyond just the status quo, to go for the things that, that are on the inside of us. I believe that that is what Jesus is calling us to do. And I believe that this is what he is talking about when he says, I have a new life for you. You know, last weekend, uh, we had commissioning weekend. And if anyone uh, didn't get prayed for, uh, for your goals, we've got these, a few more of these cards. And after the service, you can uh, get prayed for by, by one of the leaders here. But it was such an amazing time of prayer. And I was amazed at some of the words that God spoke through me. Because, you know, when you're praying for someone, it's, it's not just your own words, but, but you're, you're partnering with God and He starts speaking through you. And, and I was just so amazed and encouraged to hear God's heart for people. And there was one person I prayed for, and, and, and I didn't know this person. And, and the words that came out of my mouth were, Heaven has a high regard for you. Heaven has a high regard for you. And it reminded me of how God sees us. It reminded me that so often we can see ourselves through our own lives, our own circumstances, and, and somehow we think God sees us through the way we see ourselves. But in this moment of prayer, I was reminded that God sees us through the person of Jesus Christ. That when we receive Him as our Lord and Savior, not only does He give us forgiveness of our sins and save us from, from what we deserved, but He gives us new identity. He makes us righteous in Christ. We now become the righteousness of Christ. And He sees us through Jesus without sin. He sees that that's how He sees us. And I was amazed to know that heaven has a high regard for the person I prayed for, but for me as well. Heaven has a high regard for me, and heaven has a high regard for you. And I believe in order for this woman to now leave that life of sin behind, that it was important for her to now realize how God saw her. Because so much of how we do life is based on how we see ourselves and our identity. And so today, as we, we look at what is the gospel, we can rest assured that our faith in Jesus Christ has changed us, that we become a new creation in Him. And now we are, we are seen and, and heaven has a high regard for us. And that will enable us to make the courageous decisions in order to live the new life that He has ahead for us. So this morning I've spoken about what is the gospel. We all need a saviour. Jesus took our place on the cross. He offered us forgiveness and He gave us right standing with God. He gave us new identity in Him. And He offers us a new relationship with Him so we don't have to keep trying to do life in our own strength anymore. Why don't we close our eyes and let's, 
Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. God, I thank you for this simple message this morning. And I just thank you, Lord God, for the power of the gospel. That even though this story is quite serious and quite confronting, I thank you that you're in the midst of it, God. That the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that you are right there in the midst of my need and you see everything. Your word is clear that we have all sinned and all fallen short and that the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life. I thank you for this commission that you gave this woman when you said, go now, leave your life of sin that what you offered her was a new life, now and forever. And that we, when we invite you into our hearts, you offer us eternal life. Your word says, now this is, is eternal life, that we may know you. Thank you, Jesus. thank you for that moment, Jesus, as the woman was waiting for what the sentence would be. And the religious leaders threw out the question, now, Jesus, what do you say? What do you say towards this woman's sin? And and what do you say towards my sin? I thank you, Jesus, that your response wasn't condemnation but it was life, new life. It was forgiveness. It was taking our place on the cross. And I thank you, Jesus, that this commission is an ongoing commission that you give us in our life, not just a once-off, Because the Bible says there is a conflict in our spirit. There is a conflict between our flesh and the sin nature. But today Jesus says, go now, leave your life of sin. Father, I just pray for everyone here today. That you would empower them, Jesus. That, you would, that they would know that heaven has a high regard for them. That you took the place, their place on the cross. And that was not in vain. It was for us. I thank you. We don't have to walk with a cloud over us wondering, well, what does Jesus say? What would God say if he saw my sin? We don't have to walk with a cloud over us. Today, I pray for release for people who feel like there's a cloud over them regarding the things that they've done. I pray that that cloud would be broken in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, that people will walk free today 
because of what you've done for them. Thank you for chains being broken, for strongholds being broken, for lives being changed. You're a good Father, God. deception God where we've believed a lie where we've found ourselves caught in sin but we've justified it God we bring it to you this morning we bring it to you this morning in our hearts we ask you Jesus to forgive us to release us that we can go and leave the life of sin behind. Thank you for the dreams that you have on the inside of people. Thank you for a shift today in the spirit. A shift that people would know that you're with them. That you place those dreams and desires on the inside of them. here today as all heads about eyes closed and you never received Jesus into your life before maybe you were wondering about that question what does what does Jesus say well maybe you've seen God as someone who would condemn you or, or someone who would expose you or hurt you or maybe you don't know what God would be like towards the real you. But today you've heard a message and you've seen the grace of God in Jesus and, and His response to this woman. If that's you today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, just in this moment while, while everyone's got their eyes closed, but you want to say, yeah, I want to invite this Jesus into my life. I want to start a relationship with Him. This God who loves me, who died for me, who wants to spend eternity with me. If that's you this morning, I want you to lift up your hand so I can pray for you. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life before and you want to do that this morning. thank you for every person here today why don't we just pray prayer together corporately you can just stay seated let's just pray this prayer because I think maybe there's one or two people here and you just maybe need to pray it so let's just pray and God will hear our prayer why don't you just repeat after me Jesus forgive me of my sin wash me clean be like you. I need your grace every day.
into my life. Be my best friend. And never leave me. thank you for today, God. I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. I thank you for where where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.